help you be a better helper for others. My name is Kate Watson and I'm here with Leslie, my life guru. Mm-hmm. Hey Kate. <laughs> How are you doing? Great. Yeah? Well, I mean, I guess I'm not great. I guess great is just something you say because you don't want to open the Pandora's box. <laughs> of what it's, is. it's like an automatic response yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's actually <laughs> often surprising when you ask someone, how are you, and they give you the real answer. Yeah. It's like, what? I just right. thought you were going to say fine. Right. It's like a social agreement we have. Like, hey, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Yeah. I, I'm I'm wondering, I might have even said this on the podcast before, but I was at work once, um, like by the coffee machine, and I said to so-and-so, I said, hey, how are you doing today? Expecting her to go, great, thanks. How are you? And she goes like this. <sighs> you know, I'm just contemplating my legacy. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. What? Right now at the copy machine? Really? One is a better time. <laughs> so, all right. So maybe you're, you said great, but that was a lie then and it's a lie now. <laughs> so we got to keep doing right. this. Yeah. Um, but all right. So if you're being more honest, you're saying there's, there's maybe more to it than just great. Yeah, man. Like, Plate is just, it's uh, it's full. There's a lot of stuff keeping in the air. Mm-hmm. A lot of, uh, a lot of things to deal with. How do you know when you're like getting close to your limit? Like what, what do you, what's different? Oh, I start making mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> like forgetting things and forgetting things or, um, getting overly panicky and texting my boss that I can't find my shampoo or towels the night I'm because <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get there the next morning. Okay. For context, for context, because I don't want the listeners to be like, what, what is she talking about? Leslie just moved. I did. Yeah. And I really, that's the real story. I really did text um, my boss, Brad. <laughs> I said, I, okay, I'm in the movers. They just left. It was like six o'clock. Um, and, and, and I, I don't know where my towels are and I don't know where like anything is. I'm just letting you know. And I sent it and then I was like, that was, that was dumb. You probably read that. Like, all right, get your life well, together. It was <laughs> honest. It was honest. Yeah. But like, that's a misstep. You know, okay. something you wouldn't have done if you had been thinking no. more clearly. I, I was fine. Yeah. Listeners, I found the towels. <laughs> I have showered. <laughs> you know, when I'm getting to the point where I feel like I've got too much going on and I'm feeling exhausted and hitting my limit, I start to feel really, um, I'm going to say out of control, but mm. it, it's mostly in my head. Yeah. It's mostly like I start to feel like things are slipping away that aren't, mm-hmm. but it creates this sense of urgency. Like I need to get control over yeah. things. And it, when I start to notice that feeling of like, like scraping for control, that's a signal to me that things are not um, as orderly as I like them to be. Mm-hmm. And, and it's maybe time to make some changes. Yeah, well, I think that's that's a good way to realize what your your signs are. Um, for for me, sometimes I get overwhelmed, and then I don't, I can't do anything. 
Yeah. So, and I'll be like, all right, I'm just going to make myself a list. And then, like, number 20, mm-hmm. all of them, like, I can't do anything. And, like, if it's, like, you know, step one is, like, brush your teeth, I'm like, I just can't. It's paralyzing. I, just, I, have to, I find it paralyzing. Yeah. It's you just freeze. I never understand when people say they work better under pressure. I just doubt that that's really true. I mean, to an extent, yeah, definitely. I mean, you might work but more. But there's a, there's, a, there's a precipice there. You might work more under pressure. I'm not convinced people work better. But that's a different topic right. for another Faster. day. Yeah. Faster. You might do more, but I don't know that it's your highest quality work. You go into, like, overdrive mode, and you're just like... It's survival. I'm writing a novel right now. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, like, sometimes there is that feeling of, like, yeah, I got that done because I needed to. And, but then there's that, like, there's that sort of, like, precipice where you're like, ah, I went over it. Yeah. And, now, and now I can't do anything. Yeah. Like... You know, if you if you turn your speakers up too loud and it goes from like boom and bass to like terrible noises, I don't have speakers. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at Leslie like what? Bad I don't know what I'm um, well, so I assume everyone feels this kind of rundown exhaustion from time to time, and I actually wanted to talk about it on the podcast because. When I when I imagine our audience, <laughs> I imagine a group of people who are working really hard to be helpful to others right. and sometimes at the expense of themselves. And there's something called compassion fatigue that probably a lot of people listening already know about. But um, in, in case it's new for someone who's listening, compassion fatigue is like this extreme state of tension or like a preoccupation with with other people who may be suffering or in need hmm. and and this this feeling like you need to help them uh to the degree that it can actually cause harm to oneself. So I'm not sure I said that clearly, but when you're focused so much on trying to give to others and help others, it can actually cause you harm if you're not also taking good care of yourself. Does that resonate? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I'm, you know, there's definitely times where I'm like, hey, like, you're doing a lot for a lot of people. Like, what are you doing for you? Which, you know, for some people is a sort of like, oh, man, I want to curse right now. F you, man. Like, yeah. I, I can't think about, you know, and I felt that, that very much um, when I had a newborn. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you just got to take care of you. And how? Like, right. I've got a, a child that is not whatever like mm-hmm. you know is, is a baby is a you know uh, in the fourth trimester or whatever um yeah. and and you know I've got all these things and I I if I take care of myself that I'm somehow relinquishing responsibility of my child which mm-hmm. I've been programmed to take the utmost of responsibility and this is the first trying moment and oh my god are you kidding me I don't have time for a face mask I think you, you, I'm smiling because it might've been you who said this and it might've been here on the podcast, but you were talking about, I think it was you about receiving gifts like massages and face masks and bubble baths when you've just had a baby and you're like, this is great, but I have no time for any of this. Right. (laughs) And like the time I do have, I'm not like sitting there like, well, let me just get out and read this package and and then apply it. And then exactly at 20 minutes, let me get, you know, and, and you know, those, you know, we, we can talk about gifts forever, but, yeah. and we will, um, but, <laughs> uh, oh, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, well, absolutely well-meaning things, but sometimes like 
when someone's just like, oh, but are you taking care of yourself? And you're just like, I don't know how to do that right now. And no. I'm taking care of myself <laughs> by taking care of the problems that are in front of me. Yeah. So we've talked about some of the things we notice. Like you said, you, you'll make mistakes or I start to feel out of control. Common things that people notice when they're starting to feel compassion fatigue are things like their sense of humor is gone. Mm. Like they're just not as lighthearted or as funny or, or they don't find humor in things. Um, difficulty thinking clearly and just like comprehending things. Um, I know sometimes when I'm feeling really overwhelmed and exhausted and there's just too much being asked of me, sometimes people talk to me and it's like I can't even understand what they're saying. Yeah, um, or you can't read the back of the face mask to figure out what to do with it. No, seriously, I am not joking. There's like times where I'm just like, I can't even, I yeah. cannot take intake any more information. I'm full. Yeah. I know, and, and sometimes, even if someone read the back of the face mask to you, mm-hmm. you might still be like, this is not no, getting No, either do in. it for me or get out. <laughs> yes. Just um, slap right on my face. Yeah. I mentioned earlier things like memory impairment, like just forgetting things that you would never normally yeah, forget. Yeah. Which, you know, affects you too. It, it like, you know, you're like, this isn't me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And I've lost my sense of self but I'm in panic mode and I'm in taking care of other people mode yeah. and, and I have to stay in that mode. And, but I also, you know, it's a balance. I guess. It's interesting that, that comment, like, this is not me. I feel like I use that a lot and, and I mean it, but at a certain point, like if you've used it so often, I'm like, maybe this is me now. <laughs> like, um, for a little while, like I took on a, um, uh, some extra work and I was getting kind of bogged down with work and my email was piling up and people were waiting sometimes like a week for a response from me. And I found myself replying, saying things like, I'm sorry I left you waiting. This is really unlike me. I don't normally do this. I'm usually quick to respond. But after like months of using that line, I was like, oh, this is me now. <laughs> this, this is actually. Hey, part for the course. I'm getting back to you after a week. This, yeah, this, this is, is just what to expect normal behavior for me now. Right. Um, Let's see. So the other thing that sometimes people encounter is like either absenteeism, like calling out of work or staying at work really late Mm. and like obsessing and coming in early or going in on the weekend. So it can go either way. You can either like try to avoid it and call out because there's just too much going on or you can sink into it so much because there's so much going on. That's um, that's what I've seen that. Other things are like maybe kind of obvious, like headaches, heartburn, um, difficulty sleeping. But for sure, this can affect our physical health, our mental health, our relationships, and you know, all around cause some serious problems. Lead to things like burnout. Um, yeah. It can end up straining relationships that you have. And I, I sometimes um, do workshops for folks around stress management, and you know, they'll say to me things like. Well, it really bugs me that when I get stressed out, I get like back pain and and my stomach hurts and yeah. and it worse. <laughs> well, yeah, and I I think you know stress is in fact pretty lethal, and it can lead to very serious health problems. And if we can reframe things like back pain and stomach discomfort. Mm-hmm as like helpful early warning signs before you're having a full blown heart attack. Yeah. Now there's a way to kind of be grateful for the little headache that you have. It's like, okay, thank you headache. 
Like that's a great way to. I've never even thank you, about headache. That. That's so right for showing up. It's a warning sign. Giving me a little wave and saying like, "Hey, you got a headache, so like you're heading down a path here. You want to be careful about." And that's a relatively manageable, safe, not deadly thing right. that I can deal with before I'm having a heart attack and I'm maybe killing myself with stress. And so I encourage people to think about what are your signals? What are the ones that you actually kind of like having that are like good signals that make you think, oh, that's helpful. I'm getting that signal. Now I know to make some changes versus what are the things that like you just hope you never have to experience as symptoms or signals that something's wrong. And to separate those can be helpful. Like there's some good ones. There's there's some signals I get that help me out. Right. And there are some signals I get that make me go, whoa, this is really bad territory now. Yeah. You know, um, so we mentioned that I, I just moved a couple days ago. And um, I didn't, like, I took a couple days off to pack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I had to be out at a certain time or anything like that. Um, I had rough plans in my head, but nothing concrete. Um, my kid was okay. You know, and interestingly, I had a warning sign that I didn't even particularly notice as a thing. Um, So I was, during this moving, the movers are in and out of my house. I've locked my cats in the the bathroom. I'm trying to occupy my kid's attention. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to go. We're going to get out of the house. So I take him. We go to Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Um, We go to playground he's in a swing which is his happy place and it was shady and it was nice and I'm thinking my head is pounding Mm -hmm. it's pounding and I don't know where I don't know where my pain meds are Mm. like you know my ibuprofen so I literally texted my mother-in-law who was you know at my new house um, and I said hey listen is there any way you can just run to the store and get me something for this so when I do get there I can take it because I can't take this right now and and she she was like, have you eaten anything? Mm. And I was like, no, I can't eat because I'm nauseous because of my headache. And she was like, you think it might be stress? <laughs> and I was like, no. And then I'm sitting there like, a freaking course this is. Of course this is stress. Yeah. This is not some sort of like, you know, organic headache I'm having. This is me, even though I'm sipping a latte mm-hmm. in the playground, pushing my kid on a swing who's having a grand time, I am having stress. The way this is the how my, my body is manifesting it mm-hmm. is that I am, like, my head is throbbing mm-hmm. and my stomach is in knots. Yes. So that was, that was a warning sign for me. And it was like... Oh, I can't believe, like, I'm a smart person. I know these things. I, I can't didn't believe, believe that. And she, she was like, is it stress? I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm the playground. I'm pushing my kid. Mm-hmm. It was stress. Mm-hmm. And and headaches suck. They, they really do. However, I think we may agree. I'd rather have a headache than something way more serious. Yeah. And so if we can kind of frame those things as like moments of gratitude, like, okay, thanks body. Yeah. And check your, like, check your pulse. Like if you have a Fitbit or anything, um, sometimes when you're, when your head is like doing that throbbing thing, check to see what your your other vitals take. I'm smiling because I'm glad you're endorsing that. I feel like a nerd that I look at that all the time. I love the data on my Fitbit. And sometimes, um, especially if I'm doing like a really stressful public speaking engagement and I just... First of all, I'll just be very real with the audience. My first sign of stress is that I stress sweat. 
And stress sweat, if you didn't know, actually has a different like consistency really? than like exercise really? sweat. I didn't know that. And this is disgusting, and my mom would be so embarrassed to hear me say this. But stress sweat smells a lot worse than exercise sweat. Interesting. So my first clue is I think to myself, oh, my God, I stink. And that's how I know I'm having a really rough day. Oh, wow. <laughs> but um, where was I going with that? Oh, so when I notice that, I usually look down at my Fitbit data. Uh-huh. And I see that my heart rate has been going yeah. up and down and up and down and up and down. Crazy. And it's like confirmation that, yeah, I really am very stressed. I I don't just smell. (laughs) I smell because I'm stressed. It's a warning sign, just like in nature, you know, when you have, oh, this this plant is, you know, it looks funky. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, red leaves or something like that. That's a warning sign. And, you know, that that bee is striped with yellow. That's a warning sign. Um, You know, when your sweat starts to smell different, (laughs) It's a warning sign. And, you know, maybe we're, like, actually, you know, maybe your people around you might have reactions to that, like, you know. Yeah, I bet you there's an evolution. Don't don't approach. Yeah. (laughs) This person's had enough. It's probably a good idea. I'll bet you there is an evolutionary reason why stress sweat smells worse. Um, But, yeah, there's just, it's, like, the worst feeling when I know I'm only in, like, halfway done my work day and I've been stress sweating. Because I'm, like, this is not, like, it's just hot out stress or or sweat. Um, Okay, so we've talked about how, you know, having this kind of exhaustion or fatigue or stress, whatever you want to call it, can really take a toll. What can we do to protect ourselves from this? Yeah, give me some tips, man. Okay. Um, I was asking you, but that's okay. Because oh, oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. But no, I, I do have some thoughts, but I would love to hear yours as well because um, I don't know if these are going to be enough for folks. So it's it's easy to say this like super cliche line of you've just got to set some boundaries. The problem is I don't think a lot of people have a clue what that means. So I like to think of boundaries as just knowing the limits of that caring heart that Mm -hmm. I have, Um, knowing the limits of what I can and cannot control, knowing the limits of where I begin and end and where somebody else begins and ends. And that's what we mean by boundaries. So I find that it can be helpful to actively remind myself what I can and cannot control. Mm-hmm. And this is like constant self-talk for me. Someone's speaking to me and I realize I start to get worked up because I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. I start in my own mind separating what from here can I control mm-hmm. and what can I not control. Right. And the stuff that I cannot control, I just can't even touch. Because when you try, that's when you exhaust yourself. So how do you figure out like what, like, you know, what, what's kind of a, I don't know. Like, like, what does that sound like? Yeah. Do you I have, mean, like, a, a phrase that you use or anything like that? Well, I have more examples. Oh, okay. um, I'm, not, the, the, I'm not seeing her up. I'm really, I'm really I'm taking notes here. The, the <laughs> phrase is more like, Kate, this is what you control. This is what you can't control. Mm-hmm. But examples would be, like, I, I can't, for example, control whether or not people accept my help. I can offer it. And if someone doesn't accept it, that really is up to them. Right. And I think that helpful people sometimes feel an exhaustion of trying to impose help that isn't really wanted yeah. or accepted. Um, I can't control whether or not people make good decisions. Yeah. I may not agree with their decisions, but they don't belong to me. And that's outside my boundaries. Um, and I keep this as a running thought in my head. 
I recently, not that recently, but it, I, I had to deliver some really pretty bad news to someone. And it was someone I really loved and I was just like sick about it. And I was dreading having to have this conversation. And I tried to plan it so perfectly and like think exactly how I'm going to say it and how can I deliver it and what would be the perfect place and the perfect time. And I put so much into trying to control their reaction to what I'm going to say. And I finally just had to say to myself, Kate, you cannot control how this person reacts. All you can do is deliver this message as clearly and as kindly Mm -hmm. as you know how to do. And the rest really is up to them. And if I had tried harder to control their reaction, I think that's where I start loosening those boundaries Mm. and and entering into this territory where I could just drive myself crazy. Right. And then you're trying to kind of solve the problem and that's not necessarily appropriate. No, or possible. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, You know, I think we can talk about what is and is not appropriate and people may disagree. That's fine. But what is and is not possible is like a whole different thing. And and I just, it's not even possible to control someone's reaction. Do you ever have a hard time saying no? Oh, yeah. All day, every day. (laughs) No, that's a a major uh, personality flaw of mine. Um, Because I, you know, I I always want to help. And, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes people come to me and I'm just like, oh, well, you know, like, can I do this for you? Can I do this for you? And, you know, you know, like what else, what else can I do? And, and then where I find myself is like a laundry list of things that I actually can't do. And then I'm, I'm letting people down. Yeah. If you are someone who likes to be helpful and, and especially if you're someone who's tried to be helpful and had your help rejected mm-hmm. now, when someone's asking for your help. You feel like, I have to say yes. I have to say yes. I can't turn this down. So if saying no is hard for you, I think it's good practice to learn to say yes to something else. So rather than saying, no, I can't listen to you vent about your boss today. You might say right now, I'm going to prioritize picking my kids up from school, but I really do hope things get better for you at work. Mm -hmm. So rather than saying Mm -hmm. no to listening, you are saying yes to something else. And it's, you're essentially implying no, but this is like baby steps to getting comfortable saying no. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're, if you're having a hard time just saying the word no, Mm -hmm. practice saying yes to something else. Um, I, I have a... A volunteer position. It's intense. And because I love the people and I love the role, it's really hard to say no. And so sometimes I don't say no, but I try to name something else that I'm prioritizing. Mm-hmm. So it might it might sound like, yeah. like, thanks for the invitation to the conference call. I'm going to be using that time to work on some proposals that I have to do, but I look forward to hearing about the outcome. Mm-hmm. I didn't really say no. I implied it, but I said yes to something right. else. Um, and I've done this in paid roles too. When a, a boss asks me to take on something extra, hey, can you serve on this committee that you didn't serve on before? Listen, oftentimes I really do want to say yes because yeah. I like that kind of stuff. I'm a nerd and I will join all the committees. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I have a limit to how yeah. many I can join. And it can be really hard to say no to your boss. And so often I'll say something like, I'm going to focus right now on the reports that I owe you that have a deadline. Um, but you know, I really wish the committee the best, right? Something like that. You're not, you're not like lying. You're not, Mm -mm. um, 
kind of giving someone the wrong impression or anything like that. You're just saying, I'm happy to hear, like, I, I'd love to hear the conclusion of this. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Know that I'm with you in spirit and I support, I support this whole thing. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to do. It's um, difficult. I, I think ultimately the goal is to get comfortable saying no. Yeah. But it's like the bridge between uncomfortable saying no and comfortable saying no. That middle space might be where we just practice saying yes really confidently and mm -hmm. loudly to something else. Um, and to me, it's just like a better mindset that I'm not just saying no like I'm lazy or I don't care. I'm, I'm saying yes to something yeah. that I really care about. The last one is another one of those like cliche lines that people say, like, you've got to prioritize yourself and make you first. Mm -hmm. And and it's easy to say. Um, but I think, you know, practicing what that sounds like in real life can be helpful. I think I've alluded to a few times here that a couple months ago I was going through something tough. And finally I had to say to myself, Kate, you are a good person <laughs> and you are excellent at caring for other people when you're in a good place to do that. Oh, good call. And right now you're just not in a good place right. and you need all of your resources to take care of you and you don't have resources left to take put care of others. Put the oxygen mask on yourself yes. before you put it on anyone else. And I had to go against my normal pattern and let that person find someone else to lean on. And say, like, I clearly you're having a hard time with this. I trust you have people you can lean on. I just can't be that person right now because all of my resiliency is going to me right now. Now, when things go back to normal, I can go back to helping people. Right, right. But I'm just not in a place to do that right now. And, like, trust that your family and your friends, like, most of them will understand that. Um, if they don't, that's another story. Um, well, on the topic of boundaries, if yeah. they don't, you can't make them. Yeah. It's, you know, if someone right. doesn't understand, they don't understand. You can try and try and try to make them understand. Right. You're just going to exhaust yourself more. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listeners, I worry about you. <laughs> I really, I do because I think people are drawn to this podcast because they have that helpful spirit yeah. and it can end up causing ourselves so much harm. Um, and so it can take a lot out of us, out of the best of us. And, and I encourage you to, to tell us your thoughts about this. You can email us at questions at only trying to help.com. You can tweet us at I was O T T H. Uh, we'd love to hear your tales of taking good care of yourself, um, rather than always elevating the needs of others. So let us know. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Take good care of yourself.